Welcome to ClearPath, your roadmap to health and wealth. I'm your host, Al Waller. According to former First Lady Rosalind Carter, and I quote, there are only four kinds of people in the world, those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers, end quote. Well, today's episode of ClearPath, Your Roadmap to Health and Wealth, is dedicated to recognizing November as National Family Caregivers Month, an annual celebration that recognizes and honors family caregivers across the country. Because caregivers put their hearts and their souls into caring for their loved ones, an invaluable service that often comes without any kind of a paycheck. Joining me is Catherine Collinson, head of nonprofit Transamerica Institute and its Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies to discuss family caregiving, how it can impact the caregiver's own health and financial well-being, as well as recommendations for helping caregivers. I'm your host, Al Waller. Now, Catherine, the number of family caregivers has increased dramatically in recent years. And with the aging of a significant segment of the baby boomer population, well, I suspect that number is only going to accelerate, right? So what can you tell us about this trend? The National Alliance for Caregiving and AARP estimate that the number of U.S. adults who are family caregivers, and these could be families of kin or families of choice, the number of family caregivers increased from 43.5 million in 2015 to 53 million in 2020. And I'll note that they did this estimate before the onset of the pandemic. Well, Catherine, I know that uh, you and your Transamerica Institute team conducted some research about caregivers. So tell us you know, what you discovered to date. I'd like to share some findings from a report that we'll be putting out next month. It's based on a survey of workers that we conducted in late 2020. At the time of the survey, we found that at some point during the working careers, nearly four in 10 workers, 39%, indicated they had served as a caregiver for a relative or friend, including 24% who were currently caregivers and 17% who had been a caregiver in the past. And what is so noteworthy is now balancing a job and providing care is really hard work. And we found that almost nine in 10 caregivers had made one or more adjustments to their work situation because of becoming a caregiver, ranging from missing days of work and reducing work hours to some even taking unpaid leave and others even quitting their jobs altogether. Well, you know, depending upon the nature of the work that you do, I mean, holding down a job is, you know, about as much as can be expected. But, you know, throwing this on top of it, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And as I think I've mentioned, you know, as an HR manager and consultant, you know, I worked with a, you know, a broad cross section of employees and, you know, many who were caregivers uh, in the workforce. As a matter of fact, you know, many who were, you know, part of what we call that sandwich generation, you know, who have children, you say, with special needs that, uh, you know, are going to take extra time, you know, from uh, the parent, as well as, you know, their parents above them uh, that are aging and, you know, perhaps maybe experiencing the, you know, early stages of dementia. Certainly in, uh, in an HR function and a capacity, you know, you want to try to make accommodations, but, you know, there's this very thin line that, you know, you've got to be careful what you do for one, you have to do for the other. You know, I saw two cases where employees, you know, who had great careers going, full of energy and ready to continue to pursue them. And because of an early onset of Alzheimer's with their spouses, you know, had to uh, pack it in and retire. 
Now, I understand you've also found some you know, striking differences between the experiences of caregivers versus non-caregivers in the workforce, right? Al, indeed we did. Although we cannot prove the extent of the causality, the differences in our survey findings among caregivers and non-caregivers were quite striking. The survey findings really helped to illustrate the stress and strain that caregivers are experiencing. I'll give you a few examples. 46% of caregivers often feel anxious and depressed, compared with only 36% of non-caregivers. 62% of caregivers were negatively financially impacted by the pandemic, compared with just 42% of non-caregivers. And lastly, 55% of caregivers personally experienced one or more employment impacts as a result of the pandemic, compared with just 36% of non-caregivers. And when I reference employment impacts, one or more uh, employment impacts ranging from things like reduced hours and pay to layoffs, furloughs, and some even early retirement. Well, I got to tell you, while I find you know a lot of this data you know very sobering, can't say that I'm totally surprised. I mean, from a personal perspective, you know, my dad six years ago, you know, after enjoying what 85 years of great health, I mean, robust, playing tennis three times a week with men that were 30 years his junior, you know, was tragically diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and then you know, three months later, on top of that, you know, my mother falls and breaks her hip. I mean, good grief. Uh, But, you know, fortunately, you know, I had and I use the term uh, fortunately in in a relative stance. I had two siblings living locally and as well as a consulting gig that, you know, provided me with the necessary flexibility to work uh, remotely. And, you know, those factors combined with, you know, you know, the matrix scheduling that we were able to put together and having the financial resources for some outside care, you know, enabled us to take care of my folks on a day to day and night care basis. So, you know, we were the lucky ones, even though it was a grueling period. You know, I know there are a lot of people out there and I've worked with them have limited financial resources, you know, trying to accommodate their giving. And, you know, I might add flying solo at the same time, too. So it's it's just a really, really tough situation to be, be between. Now, Catherine, you know, what are maybe some other ways that we can help others ease this heavy lift? Easing the load on caregivers is what I call an everyone opportunity. Everyone can help pitch in and help make the lives of caregivers easier. And I'll I'll break it into three groups, policymakers, employers, and who I like to refer to as everyday people, individuals and families. I'll start with policymakers. Policymakers pave the way. They can encourage employers to offer flexible work arrangements so that caregiving employees can more easily balance their employment and their caregiving responsibilities. Policymakers can offer financial assistance, for example, a proposed tax credit to help offset the out-of-pocket costs associated with caregiving. Importantly, policymakers could provide Social Security credits to help caregivers who forego their employment altogether in order to provide care. So for Social Security to recognize their contribution in the workforce as an unpaid caregiver and be still be able to uh, accrue benefits, which right now they cannot. 
Got it. And I'll also add that employers can and should step up to the plate by supporting their caregiving employees. I mean, you know, in meaningful ways. And this could include offering, say, flexible work arrangements, you know, as I was fortunate enough to have, telecommuting, and also offering an employee assistance program with caregiver resources such as referrals, backup care, and counseling. And I'll you know, add additionally, it's encouraging to note that some employers are now beginning to offer paid time off or paid leave for caregivers. I mean, let's face it, all these things can help caregivers. They can you know, help employers attract as well as retain you know, their valuable employees as well. And I think, you know, in this day and age, you know, we've all become aware that that is absolutely critical. Al, I couldn't have said it better myself. Speaking from my own experience, many years ago, when I was a caregiver, I was just so fortunate. My employer accommodated flexible work arrangements and the ability to work remotely. By doing so, they enabled me to stay on the job. Without that support, I would have faced an extremely difficult decision of whether to give up my employment, which would have meant giving up my income and my benefits. And that type of decision, had I gone down that path, could have undermined my own long-term financial security. Well, that's incredible how fortunate that that you were because, you know, back in the day, not a lot were really, uh, I think, that broad-minded and, you know, open to that. So now, based on your team's research, as well as your own experience as a caregiver, what are some tips that you can offer caregivers to make their lives a lot more manageable? One thing to keep in mind, for everyone to keep in mind, and especially caregivers, It is so easy to become fully engrossed in the needs of the care recipient that you as the caregiver lose sight of your own health and your own financial well-being. It's just so important that you take care of yourself in addition to taking care of the care recipient. So I'm going to offer you tips to consider. Uh, The first one I've already touched on, take care of your health and wellness. This includes the basics, eating right, exercising, getting plenty of rest, managing stress, and getting your routine checkups and screenings. Without your own health, you can't help care for the others. And it's just so important that you focus on that. And don't feel guilty about it, by the way, either. The second thing, ask for help and accept help from others. And this is really hard for a lot of people to do. By enlisting the support of others in your caregiving responsibilities or in families where there's multiple family members that can pitch in and help out, it really helps ease a disproportionate burden that might otherwise fall on a single family member. So asking for help and accepting it. The third tip is if you're employed, research what types of programs that your employer offers to caregiving employees. It's been an increasing trend in recent years. Employers are doing more and more to support their caregiving employees. Of course, we've touched on flexible work arrangements. Many employers also offer an employee assistance program that might even include either referrals or discounts to backup care when you need it. Learn about the Family and Medical Leave Act, or FMLA, which is the federal law that requires covered employers to provide their employees with protected, unpaid leave for qualified medical and family reasons. The FMLA allows up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave from an employer in a 12-month time period. 
to learn more about FMLA, you can check with your company's human resources department or visit the Department of Labor's website at dol.gov. Now for the final tip, explore programs that may provide financial assistance to you as a caregiver. There are some programs out there. For example, some states have programs for Medicare recipients that the care recipient can use to pay non-professional caregivers, which means that they could presumably pay a caregiving family member. Another avenue, potentially, if the care recipient has long-term care insurance, check whether that long-term care insurance coverage may pay for a family caregiver versus a hired caregiver. And then lastly, if you're incurring a lot of expenses on behalf of the care recipient, check if you might be able to claim them as a dependent for tax purposes. It's comforting to note that there you know, really are actually a lot of caregiver resources out there and that our listeners may, quite frankly, you know, not be aware of them. So this is good to know. So where can they go to learn even more about what's available? Al, there's a lot of terrific organizations out there. I'm going to name just a handful, and I'll start with USA.gov, which has a whole section of its website built out for caregiver resources, information, everything that you need to know. Other great resources include National Alliance for Caregiving, and they have a website that also has organizations and various resources. AARP has done tremendous work uh, in support of family caregivers and has all sorts of tools and resources on its website. There's the Caregiver Action Network and Women's Institute for a Secure Retirement, or WISER, also offers resources for caregivers. Lastly, since this podcast began with a quote from former First Lady Rosalind Carter, I'd like to end by highlighting the outstanding work of the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregivers. Quick before we sign off, where can our listeners find your team's research? You can find our annual retirement survey of workers on our website at transamericainstitute.org. Follow us on Twitter at TI underscore insights and at TCR studies to stay up to date with our latest publications, including our forthcoming report that has a chapter on caregivers. Catherine, as always, many thanks for this impressive body of work. And thank you for all listening uh, to Clear Path, your roadmap to health and wealth. I'm your host, Al Waller, and please join us next week when we delve into those important details about employer benefits and health care enrollment season. ClearPath, your roadmap to health and wealth, is brought to you by Transamerica Institute, a nonprofit, private foundation dedicated to identifying, researching, and educating the public about retirement security and the intersections of health and financial well-being. You can find our weekly podcast on WYPR's Podcast Central and mobile app, wherever you get your podcasts, and at transamericainstitute.org forward slash podcasts.